It's time for episode 166 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, December the 7th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we're counting the minutes until the end of the show, which is 30 minutes long. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and across the world from me is my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Dan. Glad to be back. Good to be back. 29, Jason. Yeah, I'm counting. Tick, 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 tick. This is the show where we talk about four technology topics with two excellent guests. To my left this week, the co-host of many fabulous shows, including Analog here on the Relay Network and uh, the Accidental Tech Podcast, of course. It's Mr. Casey Liss. Welcome back, Casey. Hello, Dan. How's the future? The future is fantastic and uh, quite dark, quite, quite dark, but only because the sun is down. To my left, a returning guest, my colleague from back in the day at Mac User, and I'm going to plug I'm going to plug her book now, author of iOS Access for All, which you can check out at iosaccessbook.com. It's Shelly Brisbane. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Jason. Boom. Thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. Thought I would get that done right up front so people I know, can know right? about your book. Before I could do it, right? <laughs> I, yeah, well, I mean, I, it's a service I provide, pre-plugging of books. Yeah. Let's start off this week, um, since I'm the designated co-host, with this topic. Amazon is announced it's rolling out a brick-and-mortar store. What? Uh, but that brick-and-mortar store is entirely based on you using your smartphone to get in to buy things, etc. Uh, and so my question for you guys is, is this the future of shopping? Does this appeal to you? Um, or do you think that this is mainly some sort of like weird cul-de-sac experiment? Casey, do you fear the future or embrace it? I think this is really clever and really smart. I'm skeptical that it will really catch on soon. I think that there's a lot of room for errors and issues and whatnot. But I think this is certainly the way the future is heading. I mean, if you think of uh, the adoption of the EPC code, I wasn't around for that. Or if I was, I was way too young to remember it. But that must have felt like a similar dose of the future and, and similar. I would assume everyone thought it was similarly fallible at the time and it's worked out great. So I hope that this is the future. I think it's, it's really exciting to just be able to walk in, you know, scan your phone, grab a bunch of stuff and walk right out. But I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I actually do remember when when uh, you get to the checkout line and the, the clerks would have to like put in first it was like the price and then off of a price tag. And then later it was a code that would be translated into a price. And once things started being scanned, it was it was kind of magical. This is a tech demo. By the way, Dan, um, w- when is Amazon going to get with the times? I think brick and mortar. That is a really outmoded way of building buildings. Shouldn't they have some new <laughs> construction methods? Come on, Amazon. Concrete and and rebar. Yeah, Sorry. that's that's a concrete and rebar store is what we should be talking about here. So uh, I love that it's a tech demo because it's basically saying, look what what is possible now. Um, obviously, you know when my my local supermarket is uh, struggling to I think pay f- to replace all of its uh, checkout kiosks. So like it, the one in my store, they're all like broken and they don't support Apple Pay or anything like that, and they're or, or even chip cards, and they're all kind of falling apart. And it's very clear. I've talked about. It on previous shows that they are going to do an upgrade of all of the Safeways everywhere, but they haven't got it yet. So this is an interesting example of like, well, what if you didn't have to replace or buy new cameras and scanners and things like that for thousands of stores? Amazon doesn't have to do that. So they can say like, this is what's possible with our technology today. And you know, you you scan your ID to get in there and then you pick up your stuff and it's got cameras and it knows, you know, it's able to track you and knows what you pick up. And it's got like, it's, 
It's cool. I do think it's the future. I don't think we're going to see a store like this everywhere in a few years, but I would not be surprised if some of the tech that we see in these stores ends up uh, ends up in use. And sure, in 20 years, uh, I think this is a this is what a lot of stores might look like. I referred to this the other day as a walk-in vending machine when I was fighting with somebody on Twitter about it. I will. <laughs> Um, and I don't like it because I don't like the I, – I approach it from the point of view of uh, people not being in the store either to assist you or uh, as cashiers and people losing their jobs. So all that, you know, silly political stuff. Uh, and from that point of view, I don't like it. As an experiment, I think it totally makes sense. And there's nothing wrong with building this as a prototype and you're frankly going to get an awful lot of people to come in there and, and play and see what it's like and buy things. I – hope that it will not be the way of all shopping. I mean, there are self-service lanes in my grocery store that don't get used, not so much because they're broken, although there are usually snafus and there's somebody down at the end of the line in case you have trouble. But I've just noticed in this large supermarket that I go to where there are 20 or 30 lines, people tend to stand in line at where the checkers are rather than to go to the the kiosks that are not manned. And so I'm not sure that we really want to walk into vending machines and have no interactions with people at all when we shop, although I'm sure all of us have had bad interactions. So I don't object to this existing, but I do object to the idea that that's the main way that we shop in real life. Yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thought experiment. On the one hand, um, so... Apple has done something like this for a little while where you can use its app to buy certain things in, in the store and walk out basically without talking to a cashier. Um, and that's good because there are no dedicated cashiers in the store <laughs> and sometimes you can't find one, um, which is kind yep. of the opposite end of the spectrum from being bothered by like people constantly coming up and asking if they can help you with anything. Um, I have a lot of questions about how this actually plays out, um, but I, I think that the future of automation is an interesting... Uh, it's, it's become this weird little... Uh, 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 sort of bizarre... I don't know how to describe it. So they, they, we had automated checkout lanes in my local supermarket and they took them out <laughs> and it frustrated me to no end because I felt like it was very efficient for me to go through that. And now I'm constantly stuck in these lines where it feels like everything is very slow. So to, from that you know standpoint, it appeals to me. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely take um, I definitely take Shelley's concerns to heart about the you know people losing their jobs and, and having fewer options there. So I, I'm of two minds about it, but I'm interested to see how this prototype plays out. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to topic number two from Casey. So I was wondering, what is one tech-related either product or maybe just a story that everyone seems really amped and excited about and you just don't get it? It doesn't mean that you think it's bad necessarily. You just don't really understand why it's exciting. This is really hard. And I know that like five hours from now, I'm going to have that moment where I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's the one I really don't care about that everybody talks about. But I was yep. straining to, to think of it. So I've got a couple. They're kind of dumb, but I'm going to share them. Everybody's talking about how the future is chatbots and that everything's going to be mm-hmm. chatbots. You talk mm-hmm. to chatbots and chatbots tell you things and Google's got an assistant that's in chat and Apple might be working on something like that. And so, you know, now why talk to people when you can have like a little weird chatbot who talks to you and tells you things? And I find that uh, like uninteresting and, and kind of dumb and I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's that good and uh, and yet people are really enthusiastic about it I was gonna say VR but uh, you know VR for gaming actually looks pretty cool so I, I now that I've tried it out I'm gonna I, I'm gonna not poo-poo that and so I'm gonna throw out drones that's what I'm gonna say I think drones aren't that interesting 
I think they're not that practical. I don't think we're going to really be getting deliveries by drone. I don't think home drones for most people are any good, although I really uh, love that Macaulay Culkin movie, Home a Drone. Uh, and so <laughs> oh, I'm just word. saying... A long way back for that one. I think... Uh, well, it's the, it's the season. Um, yeah, so drones, I, I, I think that, you know, they're cheap toys that break after like two hours on Christmas morning or uh, they're impractical or or they're just not going to be a big deal. So this drones. How Jason, Jason got killed by the flying drone squad. Yeah, Sorry, so come at sad. me, drones. That's what I'm saying. Come at me. <laughs> so every once in a while when I'm listening to Clockwise, I hear a topic that I really wish I got to weigh in on. And today is the day I finally get one. <laughs> so, so mine is, ladies and gentlemen, the Apple Watch. I don't have one. Mm. I don't get it. I don't want one. I I understand why people would want them. And after a year and a half, I've pretty much heard all the arguments. But I start with it being a rather expensive remote control accessory for my iPhone. But even beyond that, I just don't find it compelling enough to... I don't I don't need to not get my phone out of my pocket. That is not a compelling enough reason to, for me to put this thing on my wrist. It's a tiny screen. It creates a less useful interface to my phone than my phone has. And I just, I, you know, all of you guys who have Apple Watches, please enjoy. But I, I choose not to play. Uh, like Jason, I spent some time thinking about this, and I'm sure the, the a better answer will come to me uh, at some point in the undis- undetermined future. But for the moment, I'm going to say, with apologies to our good friend Mike Hurley, the uh, iPhone Plus larger screen. <laughs> <laughs> what is the well deal, done. guys? Well I don't done. know. Huge it's phones. just a bigger screen. It doesn't do anything for me. Yes, I know it's got the better camera in that phone, but just the bigger phones in general. I don't need a phone that's any bigger. I've got an iPad. I've got a phone that's quite large already, and I'm pretty happy with it. Although, you know, I, I don't think I go back to the SE yet, but like, yeah, I just don't get the big phone thing. I feel like it's 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 too big. It's too much. I don't need it. Sorry, Mike. You can have my plus. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Mike was wrong. I concur. I wholeheartedly concur with you, sir. And I say that only in part to ease into this complete disappointment for you, Dan. What's the deal with the Alexa and the Echo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew someone was going to say it. I, you know, I, it's not that I'm saying it's bad or wrong or anything like that. Like, I, I feel like to some degree I can, I sort of understand the appeal, but I feel like this is solving a problem that I don't have. I can't, I can't fathom a time where I've thought to myself, oh, if only I had this disembodied voice to speak to at any moment, just listening out of thin air. I, I, I guess because I haven't lived with it, it, I don't really see the draw. And because I'm only dabbling in home automation, which we'll probably talk about later, uh, it doesn't solve any problems that I'm aware that I have. But I know, Dan, that you love it. And I love you, so I, I'm still good with it, even though it's not for me. Alexa, add Casey to my enemies list. <laughs> and let's just hope those drones don't come get me now. That's two topics down and two topics to go. But first, a break for halftime. Jason, tell them what they've won. Everybody, you have won uh, this ad, which is for our friend, the Sock Fairy. That's right. Did you not know about the Sock Fairy? The sock fairy is a magical creature that comes to your house maybe once a month and brings you cool socks. If you've never uh, been one with the, uh, the, the sock fairy, sock fairy movement, here's how you can do it. Go to Foot Cardigan. If you want to be the best gift giver in the whole wide world, 
if you want to have that sock fairy perched on your shoulder saying, yes, buy the socks. You know, the answer is Foot Cardigan, which delivers fun socks every month right to your doorstep. They make sure your feet never have to be seen out in public in plain white socks ever again. Be like me. Ditch the plain white socks and get fun socks to wear instead. And you know what? If uh, people don't see your socks, only you know that you're wearing cool socks. You're going to feel good knowing that your socks are cool, even if nobody else knows. And you don't have to choose what pair you get. Every month, you'll get a surprise pair of socks in the mail. Surprises are the best. That's what the the, uh, the sock fairy told me. Uh, they started just $9 a month. Foot cardigan socks are a fantastic holiday, birthday, or any day gift. Or treat your treat yourself to a subscription. There is no shame in it. <laughs> Foot cardigan has socks for men and women and kids, and they're available in a bunch of different styles. So there's a lot to choose from. It's the holiday season right now. Not a bad time, maybe, to give a loved one or yourself uh, the gift of socks. So there, there's even a, uh, a no-show sock style if you want to uh, know you're wearing something cool on your feet, but nobody else knows you're wearing cool socks. It's available. So lots of options. Go to footcardigan.com now and get 10% off your order with the coupon code KEEPWATCHING. That's footcardigan.com. Promo code KEEPWATCHING. 10% off any subscription. Thank you to Foot Cardigan and the Sock Fairy for supporting Halftime at Clockwise. All right, uh, I guess it's topic number three, and that's me. I wanted to ask something related to that thing that we just talked about, about uh, a little lady who lives in a canister and takes your commands. Um, (laughs) We have, many of us have devices that are always listening in our house, whether it's a lady in a can or a lady or gentleman in a a phone. Um, We also, many of us, have devices with video cameras on them that are attached to, to things that are on the internet, whether they're gaming consoles or computers or purpose-built security cameras. So I wanted to ask everybody, I, I'm trying to gauge your level of paranoia here maybe a little bit, but how do you feel about these devices that are always listening and potentially always recording uh, you on video in your home? Do you accept them? Do they concern you? Where do you draw the line in terms of privacy versus convenience? I'm pretty... Uh, low rolling as far as home automation and the, the sort of listening and watching devices go. I don't have any listening and watching ones. I've got some lights that turn themselves on and off, but that's as far as I've personally been willing to go. I think my observation on this topic, though, is that because the tech is so cool and because the idea of seeing who's at your door remotely or hollering out to some device to add somebody to your enemies list might be super fun, <laughs> that we don't really address the implications, especially those of us who live and breathe this tech stuff, because we always want the new thing. And we sort of, uh, as an afterthought, say, yeah, Google is all about knowing everything that we do based on our searches. Amazon is all about selling us stuff. Oh, yeah, but I really like that new thing. And I'd like to be able to order it with my voice. And I don't really think a lot about the privacy implications. And I think we also do a disservice to our readers and our listeners by not dealing with those things front and center. And it also makes us look paranoid. And nobody likes to look like they're paranoid because the future is always uh, better than the past until we can prove the opposite is the case. And so my level, it's, it's not so much a level of paranoia. I start with whether I feel like I need these things and benefit from these things. I don't have a lady in a canister because my relationship with Amazon is fairly arm's length and so I don't feel like I need it. I might end up getting one of those Google Home things because, you know, air fresheners are cool. But I want to play with it as a tech gadget. Will I use it every day and will I use it to its utmost? Probably not. But I do want to play with it because it seems like a fun toy. And that's kind of how I keep myself on an even keel is not letting it take over my life and understanding that it does have privacy implications, not all of which we know. 
Well, Shelly, it's it's not paranoia if they're really out to get you. So watch <laughs> out for the drone army headed your way soon. Now, um, so I have, as as we've mentioned, I have a couple Echoes. I actually have a Google Home on order, which I'll play with when I get home. But I, I actually, you know, I think about the privacy concerns of this. Uh, I'm definitely cognizant of it. And I think it's part of the reason I've spent so much time with these devices is I, I keep sort of waiting for that other shoe to drop. And so far it hasn't yet. So I'm <laughs> sure that, you know, Amazon is collecting a lot of information on me. I haven't yet seen any evidence of it or exactly what's going to play out from it. So I feel like so far things have gone pretty well with that. But I think it is good to have it as part of my daily life just so I can be sort of aware of that. And I don't, there are certain aspects of my privacy I don't mind sacrificing as that canary in the coal mine for everyone else. Speaking of canaries, I also have a Canary security camera, and I've actually found that tremendously useful um, because, as you, uh, as we've talked about several times the past week, I'm very far away from home right now, and so it's nice to be able to check in, uh, pull up a camera of my office, and just make sure that you know nothing's on fire uh, or the stuff has not you know disappeared, or there aren't people like carrying my TV out of the house. Um, so you know there are privacy implications there as well. I, I think um, there are some uh, the, the better companies are the ones that take those into account and think about them ahead of time and how they are going to affect them and uh, affect people's lives. Obviously, not everybody does that. Um, so I, I'm intrigued because I think it is the way that a lot of the uh, future tech is going. And so I think it does behoove, especially those of us who write about tech, to play around with these things as gadgets, as Shelley said, and just see what the implications are, uh, especially so that we can be there to inform the people who don't aren't, you know, aren't thinking about that as much. They just see it as a new cool gadget. So my tolerance is pretty high, um, but you know, I always like to keep one eye on it. So I wrote a post when I got a Chamberlain MyQ, which is basically a bridge between Wi-Fi and your garage door, so you can open your garage door remotely. And the slug on that post is, here's how to hack me. And <laughs> so um, I, 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 have a mixed, I, I have mixed feelings about this. I have a ring uh, that I paid for. I have a ring, uh, excuse me, I have a MyQ that I paid for, a ring doorbell that was sent to me. I quite like both of them. I don't currently have anything inside the house except a Wemo switch. I don't have any like canary or anything like that. The MyQ and the ring have absolutely saved my bacon on a handful of occasions. Maybe we're across the country and we really need somebody to drop something off at home. We can open the garage door for this person and then close it again from California if we wanted to. Um, there's been times where we've been away and somebody's been at the door and we've had to say to them, oh, you know, we'll be back in an hour or, you know, we won't be back for a while because it's a family member, you know, come back in a week or whatever. Um, these are all super convenient things, but I do worry about whether that leaves a mechanism to say, get into my garage without my permission, because there is this internet connected device that allows it. So I'm very hesitant, but I am definitely dipping my toe into this home automation stuff. I uh, draw the line right now at uh, what Dan mentioned, like the canary at those home, the home internet uh, cameras that I have them turned off, except when I'm um, except when I'm gone. Like if I go on a vacation, I will turn them on or plug them in and have them there because I'm going to be gone from the house. But although they've got some, you know, uh, settings. The, the, the fact is they're streaming video. Um, unless you turn them off, they're streaming video to an internet server as you're in your home. And that's where I draw the line. Like, you know what? Not only does that use my bandwidth, but I don't want to do that. I don't want even the potential of full video and audio of my house uh, being intercepted by somebody uh, because it, it, that's the purpose of those devices. Now, I am not Mark Zuckerberg taping electrical tape to my uh, eyesight camera on my on my iMac, right? But 
there may come a day, depending on stories about security breaches and hacks and things like that, where I take the Xbox Connect and I, I and, and unplug it and I and I tape over the the, the camera on my iMac. But I'm not there yet. Um, and as for the uh, the um, voice activated devices, I you know my understanding about how they work is that uh, they are waiting for a key trigger, and then and when you say the trigger phrase, they stream your internet or your voice on the internet. They're not they're not taking that sound all the time and streaming it. So I feel like more comfortable about the way that that's built too until I'm told by security researchers basically that I'm wrong and everything we're doing is being monitored by the government at which point I guess I'll unplug them all and that'll be the end. So I don't know. Right now I draw the line at live video while I'm in the house. But uh, everybody draws the line in a different place. Thanks all. And uh, Casey, I'm going to open your garage door from California later. So (laughs) Sounds great. Get ready for that. And uh, Shelly, you have our uh, fourth and final topic. What is it? I do. It is the holiday season, as you are probably aware, and we are bombarded with gifts guides, and we probably have wish lists of our own. So we think a lot about consumption and acquisition. And so my question is about giving back. It's also a time of year when we talk a lot about that, and sometimes we do. And uh, I'm wondering if you could talk about a time when uh, you use your tech superpowers to give back, whether your time, your tech gear, your knowledge, either at the holiday season or at some other time of year. Um, well, for me, the the holidays are definitely a common time because obviously uh, I spend a lot of time interacting with family. Um, I I am a weird person and I really enjoy setting up like network hardware. <laughs> um, that's like a sport for me. And so especially when I go visit relatives and I'm like, uh, you know, seeing the, the terrible like Wi-Fi access points their, their uh, you know, the cable companies give them and, and all that. And I've several times now like gone to the Apple store, bought an airport express, driven back, you know, like hooked it all up for them and like simplified it. Like now you will never have to like mess around with this ever again. It will just work. You won't have to like, you know, ask me for help. And it's not that I I don't want to help, but I want to make life better for my family. And so, and just in general, I think that's, that's true for me with, uh, with sort of tech consulting. Um, I, like many of us, I am the sort of designated tech person for most of my family. And it it just, I, I like to be able to have help people get the most out of their technology. So I'm, I'm actually always happy to sit down. We bought my uncle who is not very tech savvy an iPad last year when he retired. And so I did like a, you know, several hours with him, like sitting down and just sort of walking him through how to use an iPad and stuff like that. And, and I really enjoy that because I think there's so much to be gained from technology um, and some people just need a little help, you know, sort of getting started. And I think that's uh, that's great. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to give my time to my family and friends and, and make sure that they're getting the most out of their technology and that it's, it's working well for them and that they're not like cursing and throwing it across the room. I don't feel like I have a very good story here other than helping family members. Um, the best thing I can come up with is, and this is not holiday time, uh, when I was, when, when Aaron and I were getting married, uh, this was in 2004, I wrote a website that would take um, wedding reservations, or uh, like uh, RSVPs is the word I'm looking for, as, as a, an alternative to the knot, which was becoming very popular at the time. And uh, friends of ours were getting married not too terribly long after us, and so I white-labeled our w- wedding website for for them and basically reused the same site, which I thought was very nice of us. Uh, and that's that's the only quasi-charitable 
uh, giving I've done of time that I can remember. But uh, obviously, where appropriate, I try to signal boost uh, charities that I think are worthy of people's time and attention and especially money. So I do that where I can. So uh, my story is going to be that uh, when and many parents discover this, when my uh, daughter went into kindergarten, um, the people at my daughter's school, uh, which is a public school not too far from my house, uh, discovered that I knew things about technology. Well, <laughs> uh, I Whoops. spent a lot of time after that. We basically built, uh, me and uh, one other parent, we basically built a new website for the school and its teachers so that the teachers could post. Uh, basically, they all had their own blog posts. So they could post things uh, to uh, to their they, – they used – this was a few years ago. They were using like iWeb, and I set them up so that they could they could automatically post new blog entries from the, the iBooks that they all had. And uh, it was uh, – yeah, so it, it was a lot of work to build that site and to set up a CMS for them and to get them all working with, uh, with uh, building – you know, blog building building tools on their Mac and all of that. Uh, but, you know, the fact was that that site lasted for quite a while. I think it's kind of not being used now. You know, iWeb is a bit deprecated, but uh, for several years, that was the way that they communicated with parents. And so I felt like that was a good, you know, thing to do as a new, as a, a parent at, an, at a new school. And, and so that was, that was what I did. It was, uh, yeah, I was tech support for lots of, uh, lots of teachers for a couple of years. It's always dangerous to admit when you know about something. <laughs> There's a great organization here in Austin, Texas called the Settlement Home, and it's a residential facility for uh, abused and neglected girls. And they do this thing every year. Their major fundraiser is this enormous garage sale. And to call it a garage sale is actually a disservice to what it is because it's basically like a department store of used stuff. And there are departments for clothing and uh, china and you know, upholstery, you know, whatever, furniture, anything that there might be. And, of course, there's a tech department. And uh, I and my husband separately made the mistake of wandering through the tech department and gazing at the old computers, far too few of which are Macs because people don't let go of their Macs the way they do old PCs and stuff. But uh, in, in getting involved in that and, and sort of uh, seeing Seeing all of the amazing stuff they had, we found ourselves volunteering to uh, sort of wrangle the uh, tech that was going to be sold at the next garage sale. And I think that's going to be our major task for the the coming year because we just made the mistake of saying out loud, oh, old computers, I know how to do that. And so the story is not about how awesome I am, but how awesome that organization is and, and that they are able to, especially in a tech-friendly city like Austin with uh, fairly well-off benefactors, get an incredible amount of stuff of all kinds and that they are able to drag people like us into volunteering to help them. So every November they raise, you know, $150,000, $200,000 just by selling stuff to the community and uh Hopefully we'll make. Hopefully we'll find some Macs in that batch, and I can can make them nice and pretty, and put whatever operating system works on them, and uh, we'll make a lot of money for some kids who could really use it. So we are all out of topics, but we have just enough time for a bonus topic. The bonus topic this week brought to you by Casper, a company that's focused on sleep, and it's created a perfect mattress that it sells direct. To you, there's no commission-driven inflated prices in a showroom somewhere where you can lay down for two minutes and then you have to choose your your bed that you're going to lay on for the next few years. Uh, Casper ships their mattress direct to you. There's no showroom. It comes in a box. You open it up and it expands to fill the space and that's it. Now you're saying to yourself, but I don't want to have a mattress that I've never tried because what if I don't like it? And the answer is you've got 100 days to try the Casper mattress. And at any point in there, if you don't like it, you can have them come and get it and 
uh, they give you your money back. That is the way Casper works. So there's really no risk to try. And it's a delightful mattress. I sleep on one myself. It's got a combination of two different kinds of foams. It's got latex and memory foam. And that gives this perfect sink and bounce to the uh, to the Casper mattress. You've heard about it. It's true. It, it really is a, a dramatically better mattress than the one I had before that I got at the mattress store. And it's got a breathable design. So you can even regulate your temperature better at night. Mattresses in stores often cost uh, well over $1,500. Casper mattresses start at $500 for a twin, all the way up to $950 for a king, and they're all made in the USA. So again, risk-free. If you don't love it, 100 days, uh, free returns in the US and Canada, so you can sleep on it, like literally, and then decide if you like it or not. And I think you're going to like it. So you can get $50 toward any Casper purchase by going to casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise terms and conditions apply thank you to casper for supporting clockwise all right dan what's our bonus question well i'm heading off this weekend to spend a few days in the maldives little islands off the coast of india uh and i'm curious to know from you folks where is your dream vacation destination casey I would really love to see Australia. I've never been, um, and I've heard just universally phenomenal things about pretty much anywhere in Australia, as long as you're near the water. Um, I, I'd love to go. I am lucky enough that I have a couple of friends um, in a couple of different parts in Australia that I'd love to go visit. So I think uh, making the 3,000-hour trek to Australia would be, would be worth it. Yeah, I'm a little closer to Australia than you, Casey, but you are. it's still it's still on my list too. That that's I think my number <laughs> one and maybe one one B is New Zealand, but you know, down there Ooh, in the Antipodes, mm-hmm. that's where I that's that that's my dream destination. Haven't been, would love to go sometime. I've always wanted to make a big long trip to England, Ireland, Scotland, and the length of time is really important because the kind of vacation you can do in a week is really different than the kind you can do in a month or longer. And mm-hmm. so I've just always imagined making this this big trek where you just look in every nook and cranny of Irish of the Irish coast and of Scottish distilleries and the history of England. And so as a basic as that might be, a lot of people have been to those places, but I love the idea of sort of relaxing and being in a place for long enough to really get to know it. All good answers. Uh, I'm going to throw in New Zealand and Australia are both on my list, but as is Japan. I really would love to go to Japan at some day. Hopefully at some point I will find the time. And look at that. It's time for the end of the show. We've counted down the minutes. All that remains is for us to thank our guests, Mr. Casey Liss. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure as always. And Shelly Brisbane, thanks again. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, Dan, that's it. We did another one in the books. All that's left is to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.